0: Well,
1: this is Father Campbell. Um, sorry we had some technical difficulties. Um, getting me on today, I'm, I'm calling in actually on this Ask Wednesday because I had a noon mass and I have an afternoon mass as well. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone, I, I think this is the first time since 1944 or 45 that that Ash Wednesday has fallen on Valentine's Day. So I don't recall it ever in my life. And I think that's the reason why I was born in 1957. So we're going to be begin today. I invite you to join me in praying the Memorare, memorare prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, our Most Gracious Virgin Mary, In the name name of the the Father, Father, and the Son, and of the the Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit. amen. Well, I hope everyone everyone is having a a blessed beginning beginning of Lent Lent today. today. And I I thought today today I would begin talking about a religious religious order whose founding we celebrate, um, uh, actually we... We celebrate, celebrated, I should say, yesterday in the traditional Latin Mass, um, and we will celebrate it on Saturday in the new order of the Mass. It is the founding of the Servite Order, Servants of Mary, and it's actually the Feast of the Seven Holy Founders. There were seven holy founders of the Servite Order. And... Uh, this is, this is the story going back in the early 13th century in Florence, Italy, uh, between the years 1225 and 1227, seven young men from Florence joined a confraternity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. confraternities were becoming very popular in the Middle Ages about this time, especially in Italy. They were popularly known as laudesi or praisers of uh, the Virgin Mary. They would get together, together, say special prayers. It was um, an association of Marian devotees. And uh, this was this a time, time when Florence was a very, very prosperous city. And um, as a result of their prosperity, there were a lot of political divisions and factions. And it was also a time uh, with uh, a good amount of wealth uh, came with it. You could say a relaxation of morals among people, especially um, the young. And the seven young men, they were members of uh, the most prominent families in the city of Florence. And I'm not sure if they were friends before they joined this confraternity, this Laudesi, we're not clear, but once in the confraternity, they became uh, very close. And the eldest among them was called uh, Bonfilio Monaldo. He's one of the seven saints. We celebrated yesterday, in traditional Latin Mass we'll celebrate Saturday on the 17th, okay? And uh, he was their leader. Um, another was um, Saint Alexis Valconieri. Um, And I won't name all of the others, but uh, they had as their spiritual director, um, the chaplain of the Love Daisy, this confraternity, a man of great holiness. His name was James of uh, Bonsi, and he was known for his holiness, his great spiritual insights, and he encouraged them to come together. They began to uh, live the life of renunciation, of, you know, the world, worldly things, a good Thing to to contemplate contemplate on this this first day of the Latin season, 2024, this this Ash Wednesday, and they also made a commitment amongst themselves to have a great great devotion devotion to Our Lady, and on the the Feast of the Assumption, they were, as the story goes, in prayer, in 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 deep prayer, prayer, and they they saw Our Lady appear to them in a vision. And they were inspired by her to withdraw from the world into a solitary place to live for God alone. And there were some difficulties because though three of them were celibates, they were were not married, four had been married and had ties. all the Although two had become, become widowers. So it was uh, some, some some arrangements had to be made provision for their dependents, okay, those who were dependent upon them. And, and the, the Bishop approved they withdrew, they withdrew from, from the world into a house um, called La Carmaxia, outside, outside the, the city gates, gates of Florence. Florence. And, and for, for 23, 23 days, Afterwards, they received their call, as it were, and uh, they were praying, deciding what they wanted to do. Well, uh, they were soon being disturbed by many visitors. They were trying to lead a a life apart from the world, so they decided to withdraw into the wild, deserted slopes of Monte Serap. Scenario: uh, a local little mountain, and they built a simple church there, a hermitage, also, and they lived in a very strict uh, austere life, denying themselves many things. Another good reason to to uh, think about uh, these these holy founders. As we begin this season of Lent to be austere ourselves in this holy season, while many people wished to join them, at first they refused to accept any recruits. They they weren't really planning to found a religious congregation or religious order, um, and they continued to live this way for several years until they were visited by their bishop and also a, a cardinal. And he had heard about their great sanctity, and he was he was really edified by their way of life. And but he made one criticism. He said, "You treat yourselves in a manner of bordering on barbarity, and you seem more desirous of dying to time than of living for eternity." Take heed! The enemy of souls, the devil, often hides himself under the appearance of an angel of light. He He urged them to listen to the the counsels counsels of their superiors, the bishop, or spiritual spiritual director, director. okay? And, um, well, again, Again, they they gave themselves up up to prayer prayer, for for light light and and guidance. And and our lady lady again again appeared to to them, them, as as the story story goes. goes. And And she bore in her hand their habit, habit, which was black. Okay. An, An angel, angel beside Our Lady held a lady scroll inscribed with the, the title Servants of Mary. Mary. We call it's them for short the, the Servites. And, and she, she told, told them that she had chosen them, them to be her servants. She wished, wished that, that they would wear a black habit to follow the rule of St. Augustine. That was a common rule in the church or canons, <coughs> um, pardon me. And from that date, April 13th, 1240, they became known as the Servants of Mary or Servites. And the bishop clothed them himself and uh, the, the eldest among them, Bonfiglio, uh, Manaldo, he became their superior, and um, they selected their names by which they would be known, okay? And um, by By the wish of the the bishop, Bishop, all except St. Alexis, in his humility he begged to be excused from receiving holy orders, but everyone else did. They were ordained priests. So, brother... Uh, Alexis didn't, he was like St. Francis, he didn't want to be ordained a priest, he felt himself unworthy, and this new order began to increase, amazingly, they they
0: began to accept
1: applicants, and it's, it became necessary soon on to, to establish other houses in other cities, Siena, Pisto, Pistoia, Arezzo, the first places, afterwards, um, um, other uh, houses were established, and uh, they, they were, were trying to get, get recognition, recognition for, for their, their religious order, their, order, their new order, uh, approval um, first by you know the bishop and 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 then by the pope. It was in 1259, Pope Alexander the Fourth gave them a recognition, but But it was was not until 1304 that they received explicit explicit and formal approbation for their order by uh, Pope Blessed Benedict XI. XI. And um, Bonfilius, as he became known, um, the superior, uh, he remained prior until 1256, and he died in 1261. And um, anyway, the the service were, were known for, and in our known, I should say, for promoting a devotion to the seven sorrows of Mary. And um, those seven sorrows, uh, I'll I'll talk about them for a minute. Again, a, a very uh, appropriate theme to consider as we uh, enter into this holy season of Lent, okay. and um, the Seven Sorrows uh, were uh, began to be popularized. Another individual who promoted them was a blessed from Germany, Henry Suso. He died in um, in the about mid. Uh, 14th century and As we have them now today handed on to us a okay? um, Here are the seven sorrows the first sorrow of Mary the prophecy of Simeon where Simeon At the presentation of Jesus in the temple, we just celebrated this feast back on February 2nd if you recall a okay? Uh, Simeon takes the baby Jesus his in arms. his arms. This child will be the rise, rise and the fall of many in Israel. And, and like, like a sword, it will, will pierce your soul, as St. Luke's wording, wording says it. it okay? that's, that's found, found in, in Luke chapter 2, two verses 34-35. And, and that's, that's the, first the first sorrow of Mary. The second sorrow, we learn from St. Matthew's gospel, the flight into, into Egypt. They have to, have to flee when, when Herod is seeking The death of the Christ child. Uh, The third sorrow of Mary is the, he's lost for three days. We read about this in chapter two of Luke's gospel. They find him after three days. And um, Mary Joseph in great distress for those three days. Uh, The fourth sorrow, um, the ascent to Calvary. Mary's walking the way of the cross with Jesus. The fifth sorrow, she's at the foot of the cross, crucifixion, death of Jesus, she's present at that. The sixth sorrow, Jesus is taken down from the cross, placed in Mary's loving arms. And the seventh sorrow, Jesus is laid in the tomb. Okay. Those are the seven sorrows. And I'll mention here, these the, the seven sorrows go back to seven holy founders from Florence um, of the order the servants of Mary or the Servites and um, over the centuries there there uh, developed uh, a chaplet um, devoted to the seven sorrows and if if any of you are familiar with this uh, you pray uh, seven Hail Marys, Hail Marys on, on, on in, in the, the chaplet, chaplet, okay, and uh, you meditate as you are praying each of, of the sorrows, or each that the Hail Marys, you're meditating upon one of the sorrows. So there are seven sets of seven Hail Marys okay, that, that we pray in, in the chaplet. And when you're finished with that, you say, pray for us, Virgin, most sorrowful, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. And there's a prayer, grant we beseech thee, O Lord Jesus Christ, that the most blessed Virgin Mary, thy mother, may intercede for us before the throne of thy mercy, now and at the hour of our death, whose most holy soul was transfixed with the sword of sorrow in the hour of thine own passion. Through thee, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. So that's a beautiful devotion that one can pray, especially in this season of Lent, uh, the chaplet, uh, Seven Sorrows of Mary. And about this time also with um, the devotional life things like the seven sorrows being promoted. One other thing I'll mention in regard to the seven sorrows, which is very important. Uh, In the 13th century, and and especially in the centuries that followed, artwork began to appear portraying the sorrows of Mary. And uh, oftentimes, uh, Mary's heart would be Portrayed in artwork, and maybe you've seen this yourselves, with seven swords piercing her breast. You wouldn't see necessarily her heart. Sometimes it might be shown, but it was understood. These, these seven sorrows were per- piercing her soul or her heart. Uh, you can, those terms are kind of interchangeable in, in the spiritual life. Okay, Heart, the spiritual center of the person and uh, represents the person's soul as well. And so you have all this great artwork that begins to appear 13th, 14th, 15th centuries portraying uh, seven swords going through Mary's breast, piercing her heart. These are sorrows of her heart. And I'll I'll mention... um, I'll mention one more thing here. Um, because I, I ran across this in my research back um, close to 20 years ago. Um, back in 1815, the Pope at that time, Pius VII, he uh, granted an indulgence Okay. Or a mission of temporal punishment due to sin, a partial indulgence, to those who would pray a series of, like, devoted to the seven sorrows, series of prayers. And it was basically called Mary's Sorrowing. And this began, O oh God, come to my assistance. O oh Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, as now, and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. And the idea uh, of this was, in each of the sorrows, to compassionate with Mary. In other words, to to be suffering with her at the foot of the cross. And the I'll just give you uh, I'll read to you a couple of these fairs um, uh, in this in this Maros Mary sorrowing uh, uh, series of of or or. One big prayer, uh, which encompasses the seven sorrows, I'll say, okay? Here's the first. I compassionate thee, sorrowing Mary, in the affliction of thy tender heart at the prophecy of the holy old man Simeon. Dear mother, by thy heart so afflicted, obtain for me the virtue of humility and the gift of holy fear of God and you pray, Hail Mary. Okay. And uh, there are a number of, of other prayers devoted to the seven sorrows of Mary, but one of them he changes. okay. And, and instead of um, Mary just at the foot of the cross, uh, it's the first, second, third, fourth, fifth sorrow. Instead of Mary just at the foot of the cross, it's her martyrdom of heart. It's very beautiful and I'll read this for you, okay? I compassionate thee, sorrowing Mary, in the martyrdom thy generous heart bore so nobly whilst thou didst stand by Jesus in his agony. Dear mother, by thy heart so martyred, obtain for me the virtue of temperance and the gift of counsel. And with all these, uh, for the seven sorrows, these little prayers, there is a request for Mary to grant us a particular virtue, humility, or piety, or chastity, or temperance, along with a gift of the Holy Spirit. There are seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, of fear, of um, knowledge, of fortitude, so on and so forth. So this is a beautiful prayer. I've, I've used it ever since I came across it. And um, maybe I can—I'll uh, try to remember. Make a, maybe make a copy of it, and send it to Angela. I, someone could call in and request it if you'd like. Um, I'm happy to make uh, known these. Now I'll—I'll I'll add something else here. I—I I mentioned a few minutes ago that I ran across this indulgence to prayer, indulgence by Pope Pius the Seventh, back in 1815. He indulgence this. Uh, prayer, which contains the seven sorrows, encouraging people to be devoted to Mary's sorrows, and I, I came across this in my research. I did my I wrote my dissertation on the development of devotion of the Immaculate Heart of Mary in relation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and I defended my dissertation back. I think it was 2009. I'm forgetting right now. I'm pretty sure it was 2009 and um i began working on a, a revision of it to to edit it down a little bit because it was very long and um and make it um, more uh acceptable to the popular reader okay and uh it's been a, a long project the friars of the immaculate uh, i've been working with them over the years and we just finished um it it to be published okay we we finished it actually uh, this past weekend on the on the feast of um, this well this this past february 11th if it if it didn't fall on a sunday this would be the feast of our lady of lords so we finished it up it's the, it will be going to the publisher and um the, the title that it, it will be available under is is this through the heart of mary to the heart of jesus that's the basic title so uh hopefully the listening audience will will um uh look for it in in bookstores and we hope to get uh it circulated um part of it is you know making it known to people so that's what i'm doing here. So. Uh, I'll I'll have it available. I know at the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, in here in Kenosha, and uh, I'll try to get copies in other bookstores as well. We we try to, you know, promote it in this way to to make it more accessible to people in general. Um, anyway, as I find out how to order it, if, if you wish to order it, I'll try to keep you informed once once it does undergo publication. It's not published yet. It's it's electronically complete, but it still has to be completed um, in a, in a bound edition. And it's a big, thick work. It's a thousand pages. It's it's, it's really long, uh, but it's it's it tells the whole history of devotion of the heart of to the heart of Mary um, in relation to the heart of Jesus from the beginning of the Church until the present time. So it's it's very all inclusive and. I focus on things like uh, consecration to the heart of Mary, and through her heart to the heart of Jesus, and reparation through Mary's heart to the heart of Jesus. Those are big themes in the work, because they were big themes in over the centuries in regard to uh, the hearts of both Our Lady and Jesus. Uh, Mary's heart is the gateway to the heart of Christ, okay. So, um, now I'll, I'll just... I'll just ask, do we need to take a break? Um, I'll I'll take a break here, we started a little late. Hi, this is Mark Curran. Are you in need of a trial lawyer? My career in both law and politics has been spent fighting for the injured and most vulnerable. Martindale-Hubble has given me the highest rating in ethics and ability. If you want a trial lawyer with the highest rating in ethics and ability that will not support the evil agenda destroying America, but will support WSFI Catholic Radio, well, you can learn more at 847-721-3189 or go to markcurranlaw.com. Dwight Campbell, i'm back for the second segment there are only two segments today we started a little late technical difficulties um i was talking about the feast that in the traditional latin mass calendar we celebrated yesterday uh, the 13th of february the seven holy founders of the servite order or the servants of mary as it's called back in the um, late 13th century they were approved in 1304 by Blessed Pope Benedict XI. And actually, we're celebrating the same feast in the new order of the Mass was coming Saturday, the 17th of February. And the the Holy Servites, they began to spread a devotion to the seven sorrows of Mary that grew and developed over the years. And uh, as I was relating uh, There, there is a, a chaplet for the seven sorrows of Mary that's available. You could look it up, I'm sure, on the internet. Uh, I was reading from um, an indulgenced prayer by Pope Pius Seventh. He indulgenced a prayer to the seven sorrows of Mary back in 1815. Very beautiful. I, I mentioned if, if someone would like a copy, just let us know at the radio station. I'm happy to um, send a copy to anyone, or make it available from the radio station. And um, anyway, I thought today, well, one more thing about the, the Seven Sorrows—it's its own feast too. Actually, there are two feasts for this this um, this um, devotion to the Seven Sorrows. One is September 15th. It comes after. The feast of the the Holy Cross, the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, that September fourteenth and the fifteenth is the Seven Sorrows of Mary. But also in the traditional calendar, there is uh, a feast. It's in the the last week of of uh, Lent before Holy Week. On the Friday, there's an optional Mass for the Seven Sorrows as well. So it's it's, um, it's just a very beautiful. Um, Devotion, and as I mentioned in the in the first segment of this this hour, uh, great artwork has been done portraying the seven sorrows of Mary, and um, maybe you've seen it yourself, showing usually seven swords piercing the breast of Our Lady. So that all these helped to spread a deeper devotion to the heart of Our Lady, the the, the sorrowful, the suffering heart. Of Mary, well, uh, at this point, I thought I would talk about another devotion to Mary, which we will be using in most churches. If you have the Stations of the Cross, okay, uh, as most ch- parishes do during the season of Lent, starting this Friday, or these these uh, Fridays during the Lenten season. And uh, during the Stations of the Cross, it is uh, a tradition, very customary, between each station to pray a a beautiful hymn, which is known as the Stabat Mater. And I'll just talk about that for a little bit, because it's uh, so popular, and I'm sure you've all sung this if you've done the Stations of the Cross. The Stabat Mater goes back to uh, around the time that the Servites were promoting devotion to the Seven Sorrows of Mary. And there was a Franciscan, uh, a branch of the Franciscans called the, the Spirituals. Uh, he was an Italian. He, he lived uh, in the, uh, well, from about, from about 1230, we think, to 1306, he died. His name uh, Jacopone dei Benedetti, Benedetti, also he's known as Jacopone da Todi, and he. The the tradition is that he wrote this beautiful lyrical poem. You could say it is, um, and uh, it was it was written in in Latin, and it's called the Stabat Mater, Mary standing. At the foot of the cross, and uh, in fact, in the in the second stanza, we see a reference to Mary's soul being pierced by that sword that Simeon had prophesied. Um, but uh, in the translations into the vernacular from the Latin, uh, it's it's been translated heart, and that's. That's our translation that we use for uh, the stations of the cross, for example. And I'll just I'll just read you uh, the the stanzas of the Stabat Mater Dolorosa, as it's called uh, the full title. Okay um, Mary the sorrowful standing at the foot of the cross. And if you if you don't recognize or this the stabat matra doesn't ring a bell with you when I sing this, I hope it will, okay? At the cross her station keeping stood the mournful mother weeping. Close to Jesus to the last. So we really we, we usually start out um, with the first station singing that verse or even the first couple of verses the second verse the english translation is through her heart his sorrow sharing all his bitter anguish bearing now at length the sword hath passed and as we go through the stations of the cross the 14 stations uh, we usually sing at least, you know, one verse of, of the Stabat Matra. There are many verses, and uh, it's just a very, very beautiful, touching uh, series of, of meditations almost, because in these verses, we're, we're compassionating with Mary, okay, Um. And we're, we're contemplating how much she she suffered, in her heart actually. For example, I'll 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 chant verse seven. Okay, bruised, derided, cursed, defiled. She beheld her tender child, all with bloody scourges rent. Now Mary, beholding her son, who is bloody with from from the brutal scourging he underwent and mary is is beholding this and how he's he's bruised in his body cursed defiled and um and then in verse 9 we are asking mary to really unite our hearts with her here's verse 9 oh the mother fount of love Teach my spirit from above. Make my heart with thine accord. And the 10th verse. Make me feel as thou hast felt. Make my soul to glow and melt with the love of Christ my Lord. We see in these verses we, we want to unite our hearts with Mary. We, we want to compassionate with her, share in her suffering at the foot of the cross. Make me feel as you felt, Mary. Make my soul to glow and melt with the love of Christ. And uh, here's another same theme, okay? Verse 11. Holy Mother, pierce me through. In my heart each wound renew of my savior crucify. So very beautifully we are asking Mary here to to pierce me, Mary, through my heart. Um each wound renew of my savior. So we're asking Mary to help us help us to. Compassionate with Jesus. Suffer with Jesus crucified. Okay? Just, just a beautiful, beautiful hymn. And um, then I'll read verse 13. Okay, Let me mingle tears with thee, mourning him who mourned for me all the days that I may live. So... Uh, Again, a request of uh, by Mary to um, let let my tears, Mary, mingle with with your tears, and um, mourning Jesus who mourned for me, okay. and to do this all the days of my life. And the next verse by the cross with thee to stay. There with thee to weep and pray, all I ask of thee to give. So Mary, let me let me stay at the foot of the cross weeping with you. Okay? And I always like to imagine myself at the foot of the cross with the Apostle John, because he was the one who didn't run off. All the others scattered during Jesus's crucifixion. John was there, the disciple Jesus loved. Uh, comforting Mary. And this is why we see in uh, the Gospel of St. John, chapter 19, John gives us the scene here at the foot of the cross. It's one of Jesus's last words, as we call it, his last phrases, in other words. Jesus turns to his mother, he says, woman, behold thy son. Why woman? This is reference back to the woman in Genesis, the Proto-Evangelium first announcement of the good news of the Savior. I will put enmities, Satan, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and she will crush your head, okay? Well, that prophecy made in Genesis right after the original sin took place, was a prophecy of Mary being united in one and the same plan of God from all eternity to be a co-sufferer, associate, cooperator, co-redemptrix with Jesus at the foot of the cross, redeeming us in a subordinate manner, okay, secondary subordinate manner. Mary's there at the foot of the cross. She, she is... Um, a cooperatorix, a co-redemptrix in the objective redemption, in in the redemption as it's taking place, while it's going on. Okay? She, the mother, this was God's plan from all eternity. The mother united with the son, her heart united to hers. Now we are cooperators in the redemption, in what we call the subjective redemption, the application of the fruits of redemption. Mary's involved with this, too, because she is the dispensatrix, or the mediatrix, of all the grace of Christ. We receive the grace of Christ that he merited through Mary. This is God's plan. Jesus came to us through her. We receive grace through her. We go to Jesus through Mary. Jesus gives us his grace through her. So, we're all cooperators with Christ if we... Unite our sufferings with Jesus on the cross. Like my mother used to tell me when I would complain as a child, and the nuns, offered it up. Okay? Just offer it up. Offer it up with Jesus on the cross. This is how we're co-redeemers co-rede- with Jesus. This is our calling by reason of our baptism. By baptism, we share in the triple office of Christ, priest, prophet, and king. This is the not the ordained ministry. It's the universal priesthood. The common priesthood of the faithful. What does a priest do? Offer sacrifice. What does God want us to do with our sufferings? Offer them up. Unite them with Jesus on the cross. We can do that because Jesus' suffering and death, because he was God, it transcends time and place. In fact, it's made present. On the altar, every day at Mass, we can unite our sufferings with Jesus on Calvary now. We're co-redeemers, all of us. This is what we're meant to be. At uh, to help ourselves, but especially to help others. Souls in purgatory get to heaven. Sinners convert. Spread the gospel. People may enter the church. Okay, all this we can do, especially, especially during this Lenten season. Okay. Remember to offer up everything we're doing with Jesus Christ crucified through Mary, her Immaculate Heart. Okay. And I'll I'll just Chant of the last verse of the Stabat Mater. This is at least in my missalette. Okay, um, as we sing it, and it's a oftentimes a Good Friday hymn too. But Stations of the Cross, we sing it. Here's verse 15. Virgin of all virgins, best, listen to my fond request. Let me share thy grief, divine. So, um, hope that edifies you to better enter into this holy season of Lent on this Ash Wednesday. And uh, I'll just mention, keeping your prayers uh, the repose of the soul of Monsignor Arthur Calkins. Last Friday, I attended a, a solemn High Requiem Mass, traditional Latin Mass offered at uh, the church. In Sulphur, Louisiana, right down the street from where Monsignor Hawkins lived, he was a great Mariologist and uh, wrote much on on the hearts of Jesus and Mary and Mary as co-redemptrix. I think he was the champion, out of all theologians in the world, on on the on the the, the doctrine, as I call it, of of Mary and co-redemption. Please keep Monsignor Calkins in your prayers that uh, if he's not with the angels in heaven yet, he soon will be. Actually, he died uh, the the Saturday before it, which was the first Saturday of the month. And um, the priest and I were talking, um, saying we hope that that, that's a sign that he was taken up into heaven on first Saturday, the great devotee of of the, the heart of Mary. He wrote a a very good work published by the Friars of the Immaculate also called Totus Tuus. It's about consecration to the Heart of Mary throughout the centuries, a historical overview of it, and um, a wonderful work. Anyway, I'm going to, before I finish here, I'm going to make a recommendation here that if you haven't done so recently, please call the radio station WSFI. 8455 and make a donation we we just barely skimmed by this past month um we were actually weren't making our 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 bill you could say some uh recent donations came in we're very thankful for those whoever donated but please donate to us we we need donations to keep us on the air to keep us on AM especially, we we, uh, we have a, a, the capability of reaching millions of people throughout the northern Illinois, northern Indiana, um, southeastern Michigan, and um, southern Wisconsin area. We want to bring them close to Jesus through the heart of Mary. I'll just end here, and um, I will... I'm going to actually end with a prayer. I have a couple of minutes here. Okay? There's a, a prayer I came across in my, my studies. It's actually, it's almost three o'clock. It's a three o'clock prayer. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a, a classic prayer. At three o'clock, you pray at the foot of the cross, okay? Imagine, imagining yourself at the foot of the cross. This was composed in, in about 1600 or so by a Carthusian named Don Anthony de Molina. And uh, very beautiful. I pray this prayer. My, I use it at three o'clock oftentimes. Okay. Um, here it is. Prayers to the, wo- to the wound of the sacred heart. O Jesus, my Savior, how greatly I am indebted to thee for having willed that thy side should be opened with a spear, that the depth of my, thy heart we might behold thy great love for us and for having permitted thy holy body when taken down from the cross to be placed in the arms of thy blessed mother who received it bathed in tears and with her heart broken and pierced with most bitter grief. I beseech thee, O Lord, to pierce my heart with a true wound of love, to cleanse my soul from all its stains with the water that came out of thy side and to heal its infirmities with the remedy of thy blood. Grant me grace to share in the sorrows of thy most holy mother at the time of thy passion and thy death. Make me one of her most faithful and devoted servants, that she may vouchsafe to take me under her protection and to assist me in my trials and necessities, especially at the hour of my death. May Almighty God bless you and keep you through the Immaculate Heart of Mary.